0: Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears,
1: failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Let's get into the show. Today's featured guest is Betsy Helmut. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Betsy owns and operates affordable interior design in New York City. She has worked on projects on Food Network, CBS, NBC, and Chase Bank. Her hardcover design book, Peak Design, Small Budget, was recently published by Sky Horse Publishing. She also has a weekly podcast on the same name. Betsy Take a minute to fill in some gaps from the intro and give us a little glimpse to your personal life.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, that pretty much says it all. I love podcasts. I'm also a podcaster, as you mentioned, and an author. But day to day, I'm an interior designer in New York City. I have two kids, three years old and five years old, an amazing husband, a dog. Uh, Never a dull moment.
1: So you're keeping yourself quite busy.
0: That's right.
1: I love that. Um, Let's jump into our first topic and let's not waste any time. Bitsy, as an entrepreneur, what is the one thing that you do that you feel has been the biggest contributor to successes so far?
0: The one thing that I do that I think has the biggest impact is that I work all the time. So I don't take shortcuts. I follow through. I create to-do lists, which I feel has been really helpful in terms of strategizing, but also break my goals down into 90-day chunks, which I find to be really helpful And really achievable. So if I have a goal, I set it for 90 days if it's a significant one. And then I don't do another one for another 90 days. Just so I can keep my eye on the prize and not feel depleted.
1: Betsy, you told me you work all the time. That's... uh pretty insane. Uh, Tell me more about that. And do you actually work all the time? Yeah, I work all the time.
0: (laughs) I work uh, nine to five, of course. And then I go home, I make my kids dinner, I get them ready for bed, and then I work again. Part of it is because I really love it. And part of it is because I own my own business. And that's just part of the hustle for me. I would like to unplug a little bit more and that is a goal in terms of outsourcing things that I don't absolutely have to do. But as a designer, it's a really personal artistic vision. So you really want to put your stamp on things and it can be hard to extract yourself from the process.
1: So be a really honest with audience. So what time do you go to bed?
0: Um, I usually pass out on the couch with my laptop at about midnight.
1: What does your husband think about that?
0: He's usually next to me. The good thing about my job is I can do it while I watch TV. So um, we're usually sitting on the couch like last night watching the presidential debate. I'm looking for people's throw pillows and he's holding my hand i um, watching me fall asleep. So there we go.
1: That's like a modern uh, version of notebook.
0: So romantic.
1: <laughs> Betsy, let's stop messing around and talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. If you look back, have you always had that entrepreneurial DNA?
0: No. So I didn't always know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur and I watched him kind of doing his own thing. He was an auctioneer. So I was really interested in watching him and his world. My mom worked for the man, if you will. In fact, she worked for a whole bunch of men who were attorneys and not necessarily so nice. She definitely had her life dictated and her time dictated for her. And I spent many nights sleeping under her desk while she worked overtime. And I immediately knew that wasn't what I wanted for my life. So I grew up knowing I didn't want to work for somebody else, but I didn't actually know that that meant I wanted to be an entrepreneur.
1: So your father influenced you a lot.
0: Well, you know, he wasn't in my life a ton, but when I did see him, uh, you know, it didn't actually resonate with me that he was an entrepreneur until I became one. And then I'm looking back at my journey thinking, where did the streak come from? And I think the larger reaction was watching my mom be unhappy working for people who didn't have her best interests at heart. She was working for other people's dreams, not her own. So I think that had the biggest impact. But then, you know, when I started my own business, it really took off. And I think there is something to a genetic component. And all of a sudden I saw these parallels between my dad's journey and mine.
1: Yeah, and I love that you had that person in your life who sparked that fire. I think every single person who's passionate about something has experienced that. Betsy, you have a really unique story as an entrepreneur and I know it always hasn't been easy for you. Could you look back and walk us through the worst entrepreneurial moment you've ever had?
0: Yes, yes, I definitely have a worst entrepreneurial moment. Um, About a year and a half ago, I got called by someone famous, someone who I had considered a mentor because I had watched him on TV and I was really in awe of who he was and, like I said, really looked up to him. He called me to design his place on Park Avenue and I was very excited. Uh, you know, he wanted me to have no budget. And as someone who owns a business called affordable interior design, people call me and the first thing they talk about is their tight budget. So when he said, nothing's off limits, do whatever you want. I don't want to get approval. I want you to make it your dream space, spend a lot of money. Um, and make it perfect for me, I got really excited. So I did a lot of research, even though that's not the way I normally work, normally I really rely on the client to tell me what they want, I did reflect back to him what I thought he would love based on researching every aspect of his personality, where he was from, what movies he liked, who he looked up to, every choice I made was based on who I thought he was and what I thought he would like. I even went to a hotel where he frequently stayed and my friend actually happened to work there as a waitress. So she got me into the suite that he always stays at. So I really felt like I had done my homework and was creating a space that he would love. So after working on it for six months, he walked in the door and promptly texted me that he hated everything and that he um, was really disappointed in my design. And it was soul crushing because I'd worked on his place almost exclusively for that time. Also, he was a big mentor of mine. So I charged him differently than I would charge regular clients. And I broke it up into chunks and did the work first and got paid later, which was a mistake on my part. So of course, when he sees the space and totally hates the colors, he hates the lines, he hates the style. He didn't want to pay his final invoice, even though he's a billionaire. Uh, So there was a lot of learning for me there. And of course, from that crash and burn failure has now come lessons, but only in retrospect. At the time I felt very low. I felt like the problem was me because he was someone I admired so much. And uh, and now I have a different outlook and definitely have learned things.
1: Interesting, I was expecting a bit of a different ending to this story.
0: Oh, you and me both, Simon. <laughs>
1: yeah, Betsy, what is one thing you want people to take away from this story?
0: Um, So one thing that I want people to get is that always have a contract. Outline exactly what the scope of work will be and have people pay in advance, even if it's just partially. And then of course, don't deviate from how you normally work. So normally I get client approval. Normally I don't make one purchase, even if it's at Target or Ikea, without them saying, yes, I like that thing. He told me he didn't want to work that way. He wanted me to just buy everything without him seeing it. In retrospect, I would never do that again. I thought I understood him backwards and forwards, and instead he let me know that I didn't understand him at all.
1: Yeah, if you look back, uh, do you feel it was uh, your mistake or his mistake? Uh, have you thought about that, and does it even matter?
0: Um. Well, I think he wasn't who I thought he was, and so I worked with a lot of assumptions and didn't base those in reality. So in retrospect, you know, don't assume, really ask the questions, get things in writing, have everything be crystal clear. Uh, And so that would be another big lesson for me.
1: Yeah. And for the audience and for me, thank you for sharing that, Betsy. I want to move away from the worst entrepreneurial moment and talk about your core business. What is something that is really working for you right now?
0: So something that's really working for me is content creation. I love teaching people how to design on their own on a budget. And I love generating content and sharing with people. So I'm doing a podcast. It's now been about a year and a half and I absolutely love it. I actually just did an episode right before we're in right now. Uh, I'm sorry, right before we're taping right now. Um, So content creation is huge for me. I've got some TV appearances coming up. I'm a regular on some websites and some other podcasts. So I love sharing tips and teaching people that great design is, you don't have to hire a designer, you can do it all by yourself.
1: So Betsy, when you launch something new, a project or a venture or a podcast, how do you know that something is worth your time, money and energy? even when you don't see the results you're looking for?
0: Well, I didn't see those numbers at first, Simon. (laughs) I didn't see those downloads. I was really just doing it for myself. And I do think that's something with podcasting specifically, you have to have a passion for. It can't just be something that you're doing to go through the motions. I don't even recommend it for entrepreneurs who want to get their message out. It's just too personal of a medium. People hear your voice. They feel like they know you. You have to care in order to do it, I think, in order to even get started. So for the first six months, my numbers were bad. I did not have listeners and I did not know exactly how to pump it up. But I was so into it myself. I'm such a podcast fan in general that I kept making the content, believing if you create great stuff, people will will follow you. And so I just had to find different ways to to get it out there.
1: So let's get really practical with the audience. Uh, There are people who are interested in podcasting and some of the people in the audience might run a podcast similar to yours. How did you take the podcast from zero to where it is now? Uh, Give us some practical tips uh, besides passion and consistency.
0: Yeah, so my biggest mistake when I first put it out is that I called it Big Design, Small Budget. It's still called that. But when people are Googling it, they can't find it as interior design. It could be graphic design, it could be any number of different design fields. So that was a mistake. So I recently changed the name to Affordable Interior Design Presents Big Design Small Budget. Big Design Small Budget is a part of my brand because I have a book of the same name, so I didn't wanna lose that completely. But by adding that Affordable Interior Design Presents, which is my company, it is easily Googleable. People can now search interior design podcast and find me in a second. So I over quadrupled my listenership just that very next month when I changed my name. So make sure that what is in your name is exactly what people would search for when they're looking for a podcast like
1: yours. Yeah, how many downloads are you getting every month?
0: So I have about um, six to 10,000 downloads a month.
1: Which is great for a small niche I assume.
0: It feels good. It feels good. I also have a premium subscription podcast with access to my archives. And so that's been a fun addition too to actually start monetizing the podcast.
1: So what are your plans for the future when it comes to your podcast? Are you going to get some sponsors or are you going to monetize it yourself? And it's always a challenge because you don't want to bother your listeners.
0: Completely. You know, it was a big drain on my time and my financial resources for the past year and a half when I haven't really monetized it in any way. I wanted to grow it to a certain level. I wanted to get 8,000 downloads a month before I thought about monetizing. Um, And so I created a premium subscription versus doing ads for like different companies because I wanted to offer my listeners more value. I could tell they were fans, there were things that I wanted to share. Like I, I have a special segment on my premium subscription podcast called Design Diaries, where I talk really um, anonymously, but at the same time personally about projects that I'm working on, struggles that I'm having, things I'm looking for that I can't find. Just like kind of an insider's view into the day in, a life, day in the life of a designer. So I'm able to share in an even deeper way. And I figured that that content would be a really fun way to have people pay for something that's really different and interesting. Also, I have my archives back there. So I only have 15 free episodes. And if you want to access my 70 plus back episodes, then you become a premium member. I just liked that model better than advertising for things I may not have experience with or have a strong connection to. And I just didn't want to sound cheesy when I'm talking about a mattress or when I'm talking about, you know, a food product that I really don't know or care about. Uh, I'd rather just give people more value.
1: And giving more value is the best strategy for any successful venture. Give value and expect nothing back. And people are generous. Betsy, I want to talk about daily rituals and daily habits. But first, walk us through your average day.
0: Simon, let's keep it very real. I have two small children. So whenever I hear entrepreneurs talk about their morning and afternoon and night rituals, I find it to be very aspirational but very unattainable. Uh, My children wake up. I wake up with them since I work a little bit late. And they basically dictate my morning, and then I head to work. Um, I have a lovely storefront, just a little bit above New York City and Westchester. And I work there all day with my dog, and then I go pick up my kids at 5.30 from school, and there you go. I make dinner, I get them dressed, we play, and then I get to work again. So do I have an inspiring meditation that I do every day? No. Um, Do I take long walks or go for a jog? No, I can't remember the last time I exercised. Um, So I'm no, you know, Mark Cuban, but that's the straight story.
1: So let's get really specific. If you had to choose one personal habit, something that you would really recommend to every single person in the audience. What would that be?
0: Yes. So you know that I've mentioned that I work really hard. One habit that I think is has been a really rewarding addition to my work day is I have a planner and at the bottom of the planner every day I write one thing that I'm grateful for that specific day not something general but something that happened that very day like my sushi lunch was awesome or the sun hit one of the pieces in my window just right and it was just inspiring Um, and then the second thing that I do is I write one way that I'm going to savor my success because I used to work really hard without taking time to enjoy the fruits of my labor. And so now I'm really conscious about what is one thing that I'm gonna do today because I worked so hard that I deserve to really do that's decadent just for me. Even if it's just for a minute or two. um, I think it's really important. So now I build in a little bit of decadence every single
1: day. What are some rewards you give to yourself, Betsy?
0: Yeah, So an example would be um, watching a show while not having any electronic devices, putting down the laptop, putting down my phone and watching 30 minutes of a show. Another one might be um, during lunch. I like to totally check out. I don't do any work. I take 20 to 30 minutes for just me time with food. But maybe I'll um, watch something silly on the internet or maybe I'll do some Facebooking. Something that just is a little bit of time but I'm really cognizant that it's time that I'm enjoying. Some days if there's like a big sale, I'll buy myself something for my house or my office that's really frivolous but under $25. So every day it's a little bit different like just today I decided to light a smelly candle. It just makes me feel good and it's just something that took me three seconds and it just feels decadent. It feels a little bit special and I did it with that intention that because I'm successful I could buy this candle and I can light it and enjoy it for three minutes.
1: Do you feel like you've been more productive because of this reward system?
0: I don't necessarily feel that my productivity has gone up, but quality of life. I really look forward to writing that down. And at the end of the day, if I haven't done something decadent for myself, I'll try and squeeze it in. Like maybe I'll give myself a little foot rub with some lotion or something like that. Maybe I'll put a face mask on right before bed because I'll be like, Betsy, you forgot. You forgot to do something decadent today. So I have just been enjoying my hard work more.
1: Betsy, I know that New York keeps you busy and you have so many things happening in your life right now. What is the one thing you're most excited about today?
0: Um, I am really excited about networking with other women entrepreneurs. Just today, I had two phone conferences with other women entrepreneurs and we were just really encouraging each other and asking each other what's up. What new strategy do you have right now that's really improving your workflow? And that's really exciting for me, like being really open and supporting other women and doing our own things.
1: So how supportive is your husband and is he an entrepreneur as well?
0: He is not an entrepreneur. He is a television writer. That's why we watch so much television. Uh, he is very supportive, but at the same time, he's never been an entrepreneur nor does he have that mentality he's totally risk adverse he can't understand when I want to spend money to make money that kind of thing so I really can't go to him with business questions and I had to learn that sort of over time he's not the person to ask you know how much should I spend on this trade show or what do you think I should do in terms of hiring this person um That's who I go to my women entrepreneurial friends for. So unfortunately, he's not been a support in terms of advice, but it's really great to have that second source of income just to feel that you can take some risks that you're not going it alone. And of course, he's a great emotional support in my life with my family and my life outside my business.
1: Betsy, I want to end today's talk uh, with the topic happiness. Uh, What brings you joy and really makes you happy in this life?
0: Well, I love transforming people's spaces. Not because I like pretty things, even though I do like pretty things, but I really love changing people's lives. I love it when people email me and they say, you know, my family's spending a lot more time together now that we have a couch that we love. Or now that we have a dining table that we all fit around, we're really eating meals and it's changed the way we communicate. That ultimately brings me joy and fulfillment and I really get a lot of fulfillment from people who listen to the podcast, Big Design, Small Budget, and they, they send me notes of how it's changed their life because I do think that you don't need a designer to hold your hand. These are principles anyone can learn. So that's really rewarding and of course, hanging out with my children is rewarding. I have an amazing dog who comes to work with me every day who's curled up in a ball over in the corner. That brings me joy. Uh, it's the little things, I'm in the little things.
1: Yeah, 100%, the little things. Betsy, let's end the show with a parting piece of guidance from you and the best way to connect with you.
0: So my parting piece of guidance is just to be passionate about what you do, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you work for somebody else. Find a way that that makes a difference to make it meaningful for you. And if you can't find that way, maybe you need to change something, do something else. Um So follow your passion, but make sure it makes a difference because I think that that's the twofold path to ultimate career fulfillment. And in terms of the best way to reach me, you can head to affordableinteriordesign.com. You can email me personally at Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. And of course, you could catch my podcast, Big Design, Small Budget. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere you go for your podcast needs.
1: Betsy, thank you once again for coming in and sharing your journey with us.
0: Of course. It was a pleasure, Simon.
1: Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to
0: entrepreneurdecoded.com. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded.